Hello again, and welcome back to A Functional Approach with Dr. Jim Cheltis. I am Dr. Jim Cheltis, and today I wanted to discuss anxiety. It is a, it is a, a force to be reckoned with if you've ever experienced it. It is something that I hear quite a bit from my patients uh, and my friends and my family members and um, when I listen to myself sometimes, I hear it from myself as well. I think it's part of the human condition. Um, you know, there are appropriate times for anxiety, of course, and then there are the inappropriate times, you know, that, that chronic anxiety. And um, this really is quite a complex discussion. Uh, and I'm going to do my best to kind of scratch the surface today about it. I want to talk about anxiety on a couple different levels, um, you know, definitely on like a little physiological level, uh, like what's happening um, with the stress hormones and all that business in the brain. Um, but, you know, also the energetics of it. I, I think that, you know, we are energetic beings. And um, <laughs> if there's a disturbance in the force, you know, or something like that, um, stagnation of chi, if we want to talk about it from a Chinese medical concept, um, what have you, you know, it's a, it's a way of understanding the situation and it's a way of addressing it, right? If you're choosing different modalities to approach something like anxiety, right? So, you know, the first concept would just be to determine, and, and usually that's um, self-evident at the moment, is this low-grade chronic anxiety or am I having a, an actual panic attack, right? Uh, people that are having actual panic attacks um, one of the most common things that that they report is that they feel that they are dying, that the anxiety is at such a degree that that they're certain they're having a heart attack, um, that they're losing oxygen. You know, they they they're probably hyperventilating. Um, this oftentimes lands them in the emergency room, and they get their work up and their heart is fine. Perhaps they're a little tachycardic, meaning their heart is thumping away uh, at very rapid rates. Um, and their breathing is, is, you know, rapid and shallow. And so that can make you feel very altered and very dysphoric, um, all by itself. Um, uh, but then everything is normal and, and it's usually just, you know, it's labeled as an anxiety or panic attack and, and they're given medication and sent home usually. Um, so I guess that's a good place to start really. We you know what, what is physiologically happening with anxiety? And I'm going to lump panic and anxiety all together. Um, so if you think about it, it's, it's a, a vital part of being um, an animal on this planet, right? There are threats. There are certainly threats. If you are walking in the, the African savannas and there is a pride of lions hanging out nearby, um, maybe some rhinoceros, you know, uh, that is an appropriate time to have your stress physiology up, right? It is a dangerous place to be. Your life is actually threatened. Um, and so you will potentially need to use your fight or flight mechanisms, right? Uh, that would be an appropriate concept. What happens in those types of instances is usually you get kind of a, an adrenaline dump. And I, I think we've all experienced that. Maybe it's uh, an encounter somewhere um, that, that went sideways. Maybe you got pulled over by a police officer and you're, you're kind of freaking out, right? Uh, maybe you got into a really bad argument um, and, and you felt threatened. You know, you tend to have an, a dump of the stress hormone adrenaline. 
epinephrine. Two, two words for the same thing. Uh, these come from the adrenal glands. So adrenaline comes through the adrenal glands. And it's a very powerful stress hormone. And, and what that does is it tends to set up your physiology in, in a much different mode. It, it shunts blood away from the internal organs, for example. Uh, and it brings more blood to your arms and your legs uh, because you might need them, right? You might need to fight or flight or both. Uh, and on the other side, you don't necessarily want all the blood pooling in your vital organs. Um, heaven forbid something were to happen to them. You know, uh, you could lose a lot of blood very quickly. So I do believe that there are uh, some some life-saving you know, concepts here, <clears throat> excuse me, with with this stress response. Now, it should be short-lived. If you've ever noticed uh, in some of those wilderness documentaries, perhaps the gazelle is is bounding along, and the you know the the cheetah chases after it, and it's a it's a chase, and maybe the cheetah gets a little claw in, but the the gazelle escapes because he's quick and nimble, right? Uh, once that gazelle is safe, it usually will stand or it'll go kind of like hunker down somewhere, and its whole body will shake and shiver. It's sort of like a a somatic release of sorts. Uh, and there, there's a whole practice to somatic experiencing and somatic release for us humans, where it kind of brings people back to these trauma states. And, and you know, the, the practitioner that's, that's assisting really, uh, you know, creates a space, a safe place where that, that person can then kind of shake it off like the gazelle, right? Because we trap our, our, our energy inside. That gets more on the energetic side of things, which I'll get to. But, um, but I, I bring it up because that gazelle doesn't carry with it the trauma of this near death, right? Now, it could be argued, of course, that humans have a much more complex brain than a gazelle, but still, in concept, right? Um, that gazelle it gets over it. it. It releases the the trauma, and it doesn't carry it forward, right? We're designed for this thing. We are designed for that. Uh, short bursts of high-intensity um, fear and anxiety is something that we've evolved to, to endure. Uh, the problem happens when it becomes chronic. And so, for example, if you're chronically shunting blood away from your digestive system, um, that can be a very um, negative experience over time because you're not digesting your food. You might get leaky gut. You might start getting food sensitivities. Maybe you're not getting blood to your liver, so you're not detoxing well, and your gallbladder's not flushing correctly. And, you know, we, we could go on, right? So chronic stress is not something that we're, we're designed for. Uh, same thing for the immune response. There's evidence that short-term bursts of stress actually improve the immune functioning because, you know, it's, it's an inflammatory response to be stressed and inflammation drives immune system. Now, if you fast forward weeks and weeks and months and years, there becomes a different situation and then immune function starts to get suppressed right? Sleep starts to get impacted, right? So, you know, chronic stress, chronic anxiety is, is a very um, unfortunate, um, uncomfortable, and dangerous way to be, right? We, we don't want to have this type of physiology. It's a sympathetic nervous system, fight or flight, right? It's a sympathetic nervous system overdrive. We want our nervous systems to be functioning very much like we're not supposed to drive cars, you are not supposed to push on the gas and the brake at the same time, although we see those old people and they do it. <laughs> but this is the way our nervous system should really go. They should be in balance. Fight or flight, rest and digest. Right? 
that's an important concept. Very quickly in, in these types of cases, you become all gas, no brake. You can't rest and you can't digest and you don't have that ability to dampen, right? Um, so what do we do for something like that? You know, if we're just want to talk on the, on the physiological level, what, what can be done? Usually it's benzodiazepines. It's a, it's a class of drugs, a very powerful class. I kind of consider the benzos like dark magic. Um, they are lovely. If you are having an acute crisis, um, they will calm you down. Right? They work with the GABA system. GABA is our calming neurotransmitter in our brain. So it really helps like put the brakes on. Right. I when I was it's so funny back in the day when I was doing driver's training, you know, you have that guy and, and he's talking you through the, the training. But he had this um, this lever that he could just reach out and slam on the brake for you. It was like uh, he kind of made this thing himself out of like a piece of metal. And if you didn't brake in time, he could just er, he could just slam the car, you know, stopped for you. <laughs> and I kind of feel like that's sort of how the benzos work. It's like they are going to slow you down no matter what. They're powerful, powerful drugs. And they come with a very high um, incidence of addiction. And, um, and a benzo withdrawal is no joke. No joke at all. I, I have personally seen people who um, have taken years to get over it and still aren't over it completely and uh, and their life is um, you know quite literally a living hell so uh, not everybody's going to experience that kind of a benzodiazepine withdrawal syndrome but you don't know until you're there um, benzodiazepine drugs are things like Valium um, you know uh, Xanax is a very common one Clonopin is another very very common one and um, and they can be very very difficult so if we're just looking at anxiety as a physiological concept. You can have somebody apply the brakes for you in the form of a pill. Um, I personally don't support that. Um, having said that, there is a time to treat the symptoms only because that's what you're doing. Yeah, you are, you're taking a situation of chronic anxiety. You're, you're anxious for a reason or multiple reasons, right? And what you're doing is putting on a nice, warm, cozy blanket and pretending like the, the problems aren't still there. Um, this, in my opinion, in a nutshell, is sort of the mainstream approach. Uh, pick your pick your problem. It's, it's sort of a Band-Aid approach. Um, there are times for that. If you are having an acute anxiety panic attack and you think you're dying and you can't function, okay, short-term use very cautious application of these these drugs uh, I think can be a, a good benefit um, but but don't let it cloud you to what's lurking underneath because you, you need to process those things and and so that kind of gets me into more of the the energetic concept here in in traditional Chinese medicine you know when when we're having negative emotions that could be anger or sadness or fear you know anxiety all that kind of thing um, we have to think of it as a stagnation of chi, you know, a chi that body energy. And, and whether you are a person that wants to, you know, accept and believe in this notion of chi wholeheartedly as a real thing, great. If you, if you don't believe in that um, and you just kind of want to think of it as this, uh, this model, this kind of concept of understanding a problem and then addressing it, that's fine too. It doesn't matter. Think of it conceptually if you need to. When our chi is not flowing, smoothly through the channels, the meridians in our body. There is disharmony, there is stagnated energy, right? So 
you can imagine what anxious anxiety feels like. There's a buzz. There's like a, I've had too much caffeine. My body is shaking and trembling. Um, I can't sleep. You know, my, I'm not functioning right. Uh, I'm going to the bathroom in a different way. I'm not, you know, I'm not. My libido's down. And you know, if if you're fighting for your life, you certainly aren't reproducing, and you're certainly not eating and digesting pizzas, and you're not, you know, doing all that stuff. You are surviving, right? Um, because the chi is not flowing. Right, the chi is, is stuck. So you can certainly, you know, approach that kind of thing energetically. There, are, there are numerous um, you know, amounts of modalities that are great for that. Acupuncture being one of them, fantastic for those types of mental, emotional, you know, psychological kind of um, imbalances, if we want to call it an imbalance. Um, in Chinese medicine, we don't differentiate between the physical and the mental, emotional. It's all one one thing. It's all one container, right? Um, we are energetic beings. A physical injury is no different than an emotional injury. It's a stagnation. Right? Okay. I think one more concept is with this stagnated, this, this process, you know, when there are negative emotions, negative external concepts coming in, let's just say um, you have a child and they have, you know, a grave illness and, and you don't know if they're going to make it. I mean, I, I, I that came to mind because I can't think of anything more terrifying. Okay. Um, how do you, you know, get through that, right? Everybody's going to do that a little different, but, um, you have this negative concept. My child has this problem and, we don't know if, if he's going to make it, right? I can't change that. There's nothing I can do to change that. I can bring them to the right doctors. I can give them the right medicines. You know, I can do what I can. But if that disease process is progressing, there's nothing I can do to change that, right? It, that energy that's entering my body doesn't have a way out all the time. So it bounces around inside. It's 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 not flowing correctly. It doesn't doesn't ground. You know, we don't have an, a way out for that. So I like to kind of think of it as sort of like, you know, just shaking up a glass jar of marbles or something, right? Like it's just, yeah, that, that's that's loud and, and <laughs> uncomfortable, and and uh, and it'll never settle down until you know until you can let some of those marbles out, you know, let them go. Right? So this is where that energetic concept um, comes into play. You know, what can we do? What can we do for that? Um, I will get into that in just one moment. Um, but first, I, I came to this podcast today because of an experience I had recently um, where I had the honor, I suppose, um, to sit with a person who was going through an acute anxiety attack. And um, this was not in my clinic. This was um, outside, and this was a stranger to me. I, I had only met this person, you know, hours before, and um, and and this negative emotion, this fear, came up, and uh, and, and really rendered that person, you know, kind of, uh, I would say, a bit incapacitated. Had a hard time speaking. Um, was constantly shaking, you know, shaking out the. The stagnation. It's interesting how the body kind of wants to dispel, you know, the stagnation. The body's wise. It knows 
what needs to happen. It's like that gazelle, right? Uh, the gazelle will shake its skin and quiver. And, and this person was kind of doing that. It was, um, it was a, a very interesting thing. Um, so what can you do in a case like that? You know, how, how do you, how do you, one, how do you handle yourself, <laughs> right? If you're going through this situation, heaven forbid. And then two, how do you, how do you hold space for somebody who's going through that? Right? Because it is their journey, right? They are going through that. And, uh, and there's nothing I can do directly to change their mind, to convince them. You know, somebody who is in a panic state um, isn't necessarily the most rational uh, uh, person at that moment in time, right? Um, emotion is not known for its, its amazing time of like you know, rationale. <laughs> People that are scared um, tend to not think through their decisions as well, which is when training comes in, right? The police officers out there, they have to make snap decisions that sometimes do the wrong decision. The soldiers, right? They, they train. Hopefully they train over and over again so that they don't have to think about it. When that adrenaline dump hits, um, one, they don't freeze. <laughs> it's fight, flight, or freeze, right? Um, but but that they can see through the fog and they can they can automatically make the right choice. That That's not something that the average person really has the opportunity to do, um, which is one reason why I, I believe training in a martial art is a, is a vital concept because heaven forbid you get into um, some kind of a violent physical altercation out there in the world where you feel like you have to fight for your life or the life of somebody you love, um, your body knows how to do it, right? So um, I think that's an important piece, but uh, I want to offer a couple things here about how to kind of manage yourself, right? Because sometimes there's nobody there to help you anyways. You're sitting in a room alone, right? It might happen in the middle of the night. You live by yourself, right? Or your partner is gone or who knows what, right? Um, these things can happen. So there is a technique that is used. It's a, it's a well-published technique, um, a breathing technique. Soldiers will use it on the battlefield. You know, trauma specialists will work with their patients on that, like frontline workers who are, are witnessing horrible atrocities and need to get a grip uh, for the betterment of not only themselves, but the, the victims of the situation, right? Um, we can control our nervous system through breath. That's one way to do it. You cannot control the situation of the child in the hospital or the natural disaster that just happened and there's dead bodies around um, or or your, your dog dying, right? Or maybe the impending divorce. I don't know what it is for you, right? Nothing you can do about those things. They are happening and they are real and you have to get through it. Your body has the choice now, how does it respond? We do have power over that. It's not always easy and it does take practice. So I encourage you to practice. And, you know, a simple meditative practice is kind of how this works. And really, it's just a type of breathing. So meditation usually starts with kind of breath work. Um, the vagus nerve is cranial nerve 10. It pops off of your brainstem. It's tied into the autonomic nervous system, which is that balancing of sympathetic and parasympathetics and, you know, controlling everything like respiration and, and blood pressure and heart rate and, you know, digestive function and alertness and all that, and all, your, all the things that were working in the background that you don't really think about or you don't even really have control over, right? You can't really just say, I'm going to tighten my 
artery now and, and have your artery tighten. It doesn't work that way. That's all controlled by the autonomic nervous system. So the vagus nerve is something that you want to activate. This is a parasympathetic nerve. It innervates all of our internal organs and it, it, it really functions in a parasympathetic way. So there are many ways to activate the, the vagus, but, but one would be something called vagal breathing. And it's, it's quite simple. It, it can, you can change your outlook in two minutes if you'd like. So you start with a slow inhale and you want to count relatively slowly to four. So inhale, one, two, three, four. Hold maybe for one second, exhale, one, two, three, four, hold. Just a little pause on the top and the bottom. And you want to kind of time your breath so that you're fully, you know, oxygenated and you're fully emptied in that four second period. Right? And sometimes you can even let out a little <sighs> releasing breath, right? <sighs> let it out. <laughs> right? So what that does is it slows the breathing and it controls the diaphragm and it's you know the vagus nerve is a fascinating nerve because it's bidirectional it's sending signals to the organs from the brain the brain stem but it's receiving signals from the organs and from the the diaphragm which controls how we breathe and it it has crosstalk right so we can do this if you spend even 60 seconds doing this type of work you will notice a change in your in your attitude, <laughs> I guess would be the right word. Sometimes you're just feeling grouchy, maybe. Maybe you're just feeling anxious about the drive and whatever, and you know, got in a fight that day with your spouse and just kind of, uh, right? And you know you're going home and you're gonna have to deal with that conversation or something. I don't know. Try this. You could do it in the car if you'd like, maybe, maybe not while you're driving, but you know, once you park right before you walk in somewhere, maybe you're going to a job interview, angle breathing. Do it for two minutes. See what happens. Um, listen to the birds chirp, right? This is, a, this is your opportunity. It, it also, so it works very directly, but it also offers us that opportunity to sit in peace and mindfulness and let the universe come into our body that is not negative, right? You might notice a beautiful bird or you might notice the wind blowing in the trees, right? Use those. Those are, those are the universe. Those are the, you know, the earth offering you, offering you healing if you're willing to accept it, right? It could be simply metaphorical and that's okay. It's just that bird flying is carrying my troubles away, right? Or that wind that's blowing on my body is blowing through my body and it's taking with it stagnated energy, right? It's taking with it that anxiety. Give nature that magic. Magic is a big word. <laughs> it doesn't mean uh, abracadabra. It means you, a highly energetic, very powerful being, allowing some object, some life force, some animal, some plant, some rock, some symbol, some talisman, whatever it is, you have that choice and you have that power to let that heal you. Okay, and so doing a simple breathing exercise like the vagal breathing can allow you that moment to bring those things in, right? If you're focusing on the fear, you will live in fear. If you're focusing on the healing energies around you, which are everywhere, if you look, 
then those start to heal you. All right, so that's something we can do. Remember that you are not alone. You are connected, right? And you might be a lonely person and you might not have a lot of human beings near you, but maybe you have a pet. Maybe you have a plant that you love. It's okay to connect with those things. They're meaningful. So remember connection. There is healing and connection. We are social creatures. We are energetic beings. We connect. You can always do acupuncture, massage therapy. Aromatherapy works great for some people. Uh, any type of energy healing, Reiki, perhaps. Maybe you don't like too much deep pressure and touch. Something like Reiki might be a really good thing to, to go with. Sound healing. Um, it sounds kind of woo-woo, but man, it's kind of cool. It can be very soothing. Um, healing with vibration, right? It's, it's, it's interesting. Meditation, of course. And then absolutely, it, you know, speak to a therapist if you need. There, there are wonderful therapists out there. Uh, and even the FDA now is kind of, um, you know, encouraging and uh, the research is happening out there for some psychedelic assisted therapies as well, like, like uh, MDMA, which is not really a true psychedelic, but um, the street drug ecstasy, I suppose, but in a clinical setting, working on your uh, traumas with therapists, it can be a powerful tool. Uh, and same with psilocybin, which is, would come from like magic mushrooms. You, you get into this state and you are um, able to shed all your shielding and your ego that's protecting those stagnated energies. Because that's, that's an energetic concept, right? I have this trauma, something happened, or something's continuing to happen, or I'm inviting this negativity into my life all the time. I've got a special little container for it, and I'm gonna keep that jar tight and so it stays there and not, not come out, right? Well, sometimes that, that next level up with some of those types of um, psychedelics, I suppose you'd wanna call them, and theogens is another term, which really just kind of means like, you know, the spirit or the heart, these things that activate and open the heart, right? Uh, they allow us access to those traumas. And sometimes, more times than not, the literature is becoming very, very um, promising in this area that it uh, helps, helps relieve that at a very root level. Um, so how do we show up for others, right? Like I sat with this person for a couple hours and um, not only was it a huge honor for me to be there, but um, it gave me a time to, to reflect on how, how do we help each other as human beings, that level of connection. You know, I don't feel like it would be appropriate for me to try to rationalize and talk this person out of her emotions because that sort of downplays them. That sort of um, diminishes their importance, right? Um, I believe that the fear is there for a reason, right? And so for somebody to say, oh, don't be, don't be scared or don't be sad, right? Don't be angry, right? What they're really saying is your energy right now is making me uncomfortable, right? And I don't want to be around that. And, I, and it hurts me to see you this way too. It's not just so selfish, right? But, but really that's the thing. This energy is too much. And, and I think you need to, to stop that now, right? Um, some people might be able to overcome and sort of stop it, right? Uh, really what that means is I'm just going to push it down a little further. They're not able to express it. So I absolutely had no intentions on talking this person out of, of this anxiety state. Um, I, I believe that would be un, inappropriate because you better face what's bugging you, right? You better take that sucker head on and, and live in it. Um, so I allowed that. Right? I allowed that. I sat next to it. I sat with it. Right? I smiled. I nodded. 
right? I breathed because it's a powerful thing, the breath. I just talked to you through some of um, uh, breath work you can do on your own. Well, guess what? If you're in the vicinity of somebody who's doing that kind of breath work, we are all connected. It has been proven that you can impact the breathing um, state of another person being in your in your field, in your in your in the room, if you want to say it that way. Right? <laughs> Some people are very good at it, and their energetic fields can extend, you know, very far. But you know, if you're in the same vicinity with somebody, that's close enough. Right? Horses are this way. Equine therapy, fantastic. Horses are highly empathic with each other. These these herd animals, they they know what's going on with each other. They can calm each other down. Right? And they can calm humans down. Equine therapy is something that um, my sister used to practice uh, before she passed away. And um, I have seen it in action. And um, that's a fantastic modality. I didn't mention it earlier, but if you have anxiety, think about that. Go spend some time with horses. Equine therapy. They'll adjust your breathing for you. <laughs> Be open to that, right? Be open to that. You are not alone. So we have to know that we can do it on our own. But at the same time, you are not alone. So I have the power to heal myself. But I also have the power to allow you to help me heal. Right? That's what life is about. That's why I do what I do. It's an honor and a privilege. And it does bring me to tears at times. Okay, so I kind of want to finish again with a little, um, I don't know if you call it a poem. I don't know. I, I Whenever I, I don't really journal, honestly. Um, I think there's a huge importance in journaling. I, I guess it's a type of journaling. I just sort of, when things kind of come up that are that seem significant, I write about them. And it, it sort of comes out in poem-like form. So if you will bear with me for another few minutes here, uh, I'd like to just read you something. Um, and I hope you find it helpful and, and enjoyable. I called it The Struggle. It goes like this. You walk into the darkness, the unknown, into the dangerous world, alone. You feel the monsters waiting for their moment. Monsters potentially real or imagined. The isolation and fear begin to take over. You are alone with no one to help you. The breathing becomes rapid and shallow and the heart quickens. The situation is spiraling out of control. There is dark energy that has entered the body without any way out. Like the shooting of a gun inside a bulletproof safe, the darkness bounces from every interior surface of your skin, ripping you to pieces. You rub your chest, you shake your hands, you snap your fingers, perhaps moan, stutter, or cry, all in an effort to disperse the monsters trapped inside. The breathing quickens and remains shallow. The end must be near. Death awaits. And so we breathe. We understand that even when we don't have the ability to control our external environment, we do have the power to control our response. There is a small window of hope. We accept reality that we have found ourselves in this place of fear and darkness. We accept that death seems close. We come to peace with this within ourselves. For when we accept what is, we have a place to start from. We notice our heartbeat and our breath without fear or judgment. Instead, we accept it as the current state of who we are in that particular moment. The vibration just isn't right. It isn't in rhythm with our spirit. We make a choice to change, to change the vibration. We know that we have the ability to calm and soothe ourselves. We can't wait for someone to do it for us. We realize that we are not alone after all, and so we breathe. 
We breathe in the heavens and exhale into the earth. We ground, just like those little static shocks we get when playing in the carpeted hallways and socks, and then reach out and touch our friend and giggle. We discharge into the earth. She can take it. Mother Earth is there to receive our troubled, stored, trapped emotions, but we must allow her to do so. She is just waiting for you to ask. By slowing the breath, deepening the inhales, extending the exhales, we gather the stagnated energy bouncing around inside us like so many marbles trapped in a shaken jar. We touch the earth, the trees, the sky, and we discharge into a vastness so expansive that it renders our fears obsolete, insignificant. We breathe with the earth and the trees and the sky because we are all connected. We are the earth, the trees, and the sky. The struggle is where the lessons lurk. When anxiety and fear begin to present themselves, they are there for a reason. Do not run away, for they are our teachers. Instead, sit with them. Invite them in for tea. Make friends with them. They are here to help you grow. Use the breath and the understanding that you are part of something much bigger than yourself, or rather, you are bigger than your ego believes you to be. You are indeed a beautiful spirit with powers beyond what you can comprehend while focused on what-ifs or past traumas, neither of which are real in this moment. These dark energies are always welcome as long as they have a way out. They are there for a reason. Allow them to come and go while leaving a lesson well learned. Inhale. Exhale. It is effortless. Thank you so much for your time. I honor your struggle if that's something you're going through. My name is Dr. Jim Chaltis, and this is A Functional Approach. Bye-bye.